Welcome homeowners, home buyers, landlords, and tenants alike. People who just want to be better at living in a home. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. Join Madison Radio's Adam Elliott, real estate broker and landlord Ben Anton, as they break down the modern-day barriers of home ownership. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and if you're not careful, you'll learn. Come on, baby, won't you hold me tighter than your fist? Thanks for waiting. That was the waiting song from Madison musician Seesaw. Welcome to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. On the Facebook at In the 608. Hi there, I'm Adam Elliott, former Madison radio personality. And I'm Ben Anton, broker associate with the Lowell Realty Group, landlord and all-around fun guy. And not the mushroom type. Each month on the podcast, we bring in a guest to talk real estate with us. We're going to enjoy things like the top-of-the-hour tip from Asher Messino. Asher will help us recap the high and low sales in Dane County, along with the market update. We're going to surround ourselves with people either smarter than we are or just more fun to talk to. Uh, One of those smarter-than-us people we have on each month is Phil Plord, president of Blimling & Associates, a division of Dairy.com. He'll be in with a look beyond the 608. And since we like that number 608, we feature local music from artists right here in the 608. This month on the program, a woman of of significantly diverse talents, Greta Drama, uh, a realtor with Accord Realty. She is the owner and designer uh, for Geode Collaborative Design. She also has done some flipping, an accredited staging professional, and then most recently, uh, a purchaser of a tax lien foreclosure. Something of a Renaissance woman, it sounds uh, like. Certainly. We used Renaissance Man for, I think it was Jesse Miller, one of my one of my favorite uh, Madison real estate agents. Uh, but certainly, Greta is earning that moniker as well. All right. So what's been going on since last time, or what would you like to share? Boy, I want to keep you. Anton in the headlines. Did you see, I saw. Did you see that hashtag famous? I got to be in the newspaper. Cap Times was running a story. No, it was the story that Madison has the biggest price increases in homes in the country. You know, depending on how you look at it. And according okay. to their math, yes. The reporter didn't make it quite as clear as I thought I had. But the reason <laughs> it looked like Madison grew more in two months than any other market is because those two months represent almost our entire year of growth. Yeah. I talk all the time about when are the highest prices in Madison paid? It's like it's like, like, now like or just, just happened, right? Like it just yeah. happened. So, yeah. of course, it would look on paper as if we just had this significant growth. But now for the rest <laughs> of the year, the prices are going to kind of either be a little softer or stay right about where they are. Uh, my takeaway was that 400,000 is the new norm. Right For, yeah, the new normal, 400. <laughs> um, I also, unfortunately, Adam, I have a correction. Because we are a podcast and not just a newspaper, we don't have to spell. We don't have to spell things correctly, but we have to pronounce <laughs> them correctly. Yes, we and need to enunciate. We need to enunciate. And last, last month, I mispronounced uh, a street name. As I was talking about a neighborhood full of uh, streets with uh, names after rocks and things like that. Oh, okay. And I mispronounced the word agate because I what said. What did we say? Agate. I, I said agate. I said a little agate. too much yeah. a. A little too much a on the second part. Probably uh, emphasis on the correct syllable. 
My apologies okay. to Claire, who pointed that out to me. Uh, thank you for your listening. Curious to note that, like, when I saw that story, the biggest price increase in the country, or as you just qualified, uh, depending on how you're looking at it, I sent you a story about where I am out of state. <laughs> I'm now living in the place that's the most expensive place for renters in the country. Congratulations. So we like a, a, a two up here for some reason and i don't know if we celebrate or not <laughs> just be glad so like they does that the thing you ask is like is that because of what i'm paying or does that happen since <laughs> since i paid like am i getting the just before ridiculous discount or am i paying full price All right well, thanks for joining us for our little brief intro, Adam. Uh, we're today meeting with, as I said, Greta Drama, realtor with Accord Realty, owner-designer, Geode Collaborative Design. She's Madison local. We hope she does well with the quiz. An accredited staging professional flipper, designer, and, and just bought a tax lien foreclosure property. So there's going to be a lot of things to talk about. Um, I hope we can pack it all in. Uh, we'll start off, though, with the top of the hour tip. We'll be back with Ash in just a moment. Hello, Liz Lauer here, owner and broker at Lauer Realty Group, a small but mighty real estate firm in the Madison market. Please tune in and enjoy the conversation and information shared from this podcast as it offers insight into the Madison real estate market and handy tips for homeowners from remodeling, interest rates, market conditions to the do's and don't ever's. So sit back and enjoy the banter and have a good time. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608. We're back with Asher and the top of the hour tip. Hey, Ben. It is a common idea that if you are going to refinance, you shouldn't do it unless you can refinance to a rate that's 1%, at least 1% less than your current rate. However, because refinancing here is sort of inexpensive. It's around $2,000. And so because relatively speaking, to refi is less expensive here, you could maybe do it for half of a point lower. There's going to be a lot of people thinking about when should I refinance? And I'm hearing we shouldn't necessarily abide by the old the rule of thumb. Feel free to reach out to your lender and ask them to run a few calculations for you. Thanks, Asher. Thanks, Ben. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608. We are back at, at, in today with us, Greta Drama. Hello, Greta. Hi. Greta, I am referring to as the consummate local. She is a graduate of Malcolm Shabazz High School in Madison's on the east side here. She's worked at several Remember When retail, coffee, granola shops as a young person, including Magic Mill, Jade Mountain, Whole Foods. She's been a realtor with Accord Realty since 2016 has bought, rehabbed, and resold homes all over Madison, recently launched her own design firm, Geode Collaborative Design, and is the proud owner of a tax lien foreclosure property. Yeah. <laughs> she is also one heck of a dancer. Aw, But is she fun? How do we learn if she's fun, Asher? We play a game, a Madison history trivia game we call The, the Way, way it, it Used, used to, to Be. be. Smiling faces far as the eye could see. Car in every driveway, swinging every tree. People can't stop talking about the way things used to be. Greta, I'm going to read three questions, and what you are hoping for after your correct response is the sound of the bell. 
Three bells means you're fun. Are you ready? I hope so. (laughs) The small near west side natural food store Magic Mill, a space currently filled by La Brioche, closed in what year? I'll I'll give you two years each way. 2004? Yeah, sorry. 2008. Oh. It was around. It was around a lot longer. <laughs> Did you just stop? You suppose you stopped going there after you lost the employee <laughs> discount? Yeah. Well, and Whole Foods opened, which yeah, I just remember all the drama of that. And- a 2003 graduate of Malcolm Shabazz High School named the five skills or pillars of the Shabazz graduate. In a Do nutshell. you know for sure that these five pillars were part of the school at that time? He just yes. went to the website probably uh, yesterday, right? It might not have been yesterday. Five pillars. <laughs> Is one of them attendance? No. No, but that's hilarious. He's like, okay. <laughs> one of them showing showing up. <laughs> showing up sober. These are for the- what I was told to do. <laughs> because I'm going to give you two. Okay. You give me See one more. Like, yes. Like maybe one something will ring the bell. Being a creative and critical thinker, a positive risk taker. I'm going to do research about the history <laughs> of my We're going to have to feature you again so that you can grill him. Yeah. I just don't remember this. Here's another being an effective communicator. Wow. No, nothing. I mean, Taking I th- personal responsibility. Okay. I mean, I love it. <laughs> Does that ring a bell? Nothing. Not like zero. All right. So I feel like I'm you have. So I feel sorry. like I'm going to ring the bell, kind of lame like that, uh, as I feel you have exhibited at least some of these. You have been a positive risk taker. Yes, that in, is in very your, true. In your real estate career and endeavors, very true. You uh, you have been creative, yes. and a critical thinker. You have taken personal responsibility. Today with us, we will uh, see how uh, effective a communicator you are, mm-hmm. and then uh, and I feel you're appearing here with us, and and maybe even uh, transforming a blighted property. Yeah, would be an example of contributing in a positive way. Are you ready for the third and final? I really hope I can do better on this. I, one, yeah. If you don't get this one. I'll just be I, embarrassed. I, we, <laughs> I don't know this one. We're getting some people on the phone if you don't know this one. No, first of all, I don't think anyone's missed all three ever in five years. Okay. I don't know this one. I'm going to be the first. Please. Name this movie. Ex-Special Forces soldier Lewis Stevens returns to Miami to find his former high school overrun by drugs and violence. A master of the Brazilian martial art Capoeira. You don't know the name of the first person in five years. <laughs> Stevens Stevens pledges pledges to straighten out a dozen of the school's worst students by teaching them the five pillars, but also this highly demanding and highly disciplined fighting style. Why, Greta, why do you think she would know this? Because she she does the capoeira. She's I, fr- she's friends with all the okay, capoeira see, people. Back to being a positive, you know, creating a positive impact in my community. I've been part of almost every capoeira group. Yeah, she's not sitting down watching the movies. She's I'm in it. busy out in the field. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and also, what year was this movie? Nineteen ninety three. Okay, so like I you were eight. you were all. <laughs> <laughs> but as, that's like that's like capoeira initiation club meeting time. I just was old school. Like I really only cared about like it's all learning. About, it's all about the Portuguese dance. songs. You know, <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know what to do with you. I, 
I think I still get a f- fun point. She's definitely fun. All right. I know I a lot of other stuff. I can't. Is it, <laughs> is it, you is, do. It's only the, only the strong, right? Isn't that the name of it? That sounds familiar. Google it, Asher, please. Oh. Greta Drama mo- we th- is, tells us she's fun. We're going to take a quick break for the uh, the market update with Asher, and then we'll, we will be back with with more from Greta Drama, from Cord Realty, Geo Design, and we're also going to talk a little bit about that tax lien foreclosure purchase process. When I meet with buyers for the first time, I go through a little presentation, and at the end it says, unpack all your boxes when you move in, and then borrow a ladder. So that borrow a ladder thing is like kind of a metaphor. What it means is that I enjoy not only helping people buy their houses, but helping them live in their houses and learn how to be better at living in the house. The same better that I try to help you with each month on the podcast. So here's an invitation. If you are planning on buying a house or selling a house, look me up. Head over to benanton.com. Maybe sign up for my newsletter under the read tab. That is what I like to do the most is help. The podcast, the newsletter, those are just some of the ways I've found to help. So do you want that help? Look me up. You want a little help in between? Listen to the podcast, sign up for the newsletter. Thank you. And we'll talk soon. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608 Masses Real Estate Magazine. For your ears, it's time for the lows and the highs, followed by the market update. Uh, what about those polar opposites, Asher? What did we learn this hey, last ben. month? So the lowest sale last month was in Edgerton for 135 It is a one-bedroom, one-bathroom house for Eight eight hundred thirty three square feet. Originally listed at one fifty, um, was on the market for forty seven days and sold with multiple offers at one thirty five. <laughs> I will take this time to, to mention uh, that I that Claire, my Instagram consultant, what the hell, what the hell, fian, my fiance Claire fiance. and I uh, bought the second uh, least expensive home of the month and the least expensive in Madison. Similar square footage, right? Just a little less than this. Just a little bit less than this. And in a far uh, more interior neighborhood on La Follette. So right in the same neighborhood that I have lived, that she has lived and not too far from some of my other projects. That'll be a fun project. So keep an eye on the Instagram uh, in the hopes that you'll see some of the progress there. At the top of the scale, where are we? So at the very top for this past month, we have a home in Oregon that sold for $1.8 million, did not have competing offers, was on the market for 120 days, and it did come down about $200,000 from its list price. All right. So you're 1.8 on the high end, 135 on the low with that little gem on La Follette. Lowest price in Madison, 170. What about the market in general? What would you say is happening as we come into the the first of the solidly summer months? So it's actually really interesting out there right now. You're seeing polar opposites. So it is our slower time of the year. It always is in July and August. We, we're just slow. We have fewer properties being listed. We have fewer buyers out searching, and that's for several reasons. But right now, if you have a property, let's say there's something under $350,000 and it's in good condition and in a relatively desirable location, it is still getting multiple offers. I mean, I tell all of my buyers, you know, 
you're going to you're not going to be competitive at your maximum purchase price point. You have to look lower. It doesn't mean they always do. Now is a super good time to purchase. If you have been trying to purchase a home in the spring market and you couldn't get one, you you don't need to slow your roll. You need to pick up the pace right now. It might be an opportunity as long as you're not going to overreach. All right. Well, thank you very much, Asher. You have a good one. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Ben. You're listening to Real Estate in 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. In with us today, Greta Drama, realtor with Accord Realty, staging professional. In reading about geode collaborative design, like I, I was reading that there was going to be collaboration. Yeah. And that there was going to be designing happening. It is, you know, my client and myself collaborating because, of course, I can't just... I mean, there's occasional clients who are like, we love what you do and we just want... Here's free reign of our house and our money. Those are awesome. (laughs) (laughs) But that's not typical. And so I do have to take into account people's tastes and specific, you know, aesthetics. But yes, I also feel like as much as design sounds like it might be about uh, cosmetics, right? It's actually so much more about like, how does this space feel? How do I, can I, you know, calm down when I come home? Can I function well? And so I guess I feel a lot of intuitive sort of energy when I walk into houses and it's like, oh, we could do this and we could do this. For me, it's very natural and it, and it comes with real estate as well, um, which comes in handy because it's very hard to find the exact house that you want, right? And when the market's so crazy, uh, sometimes you have to create it. A lot of times you have to create it. Yes. Right. But it's hard because so many of our buyers, as I'm sure you both agree, are not creative like that. They cannot imagine mm-hmm. what they could create. Yeah. And I know you talked about on your website, like, you don't have to do full renovations yeah. necessarily. And not to get off your question of, like, collaboration, but I guess to quickly answer that and then I'm going to add something. Um you know, it's like, what does this house want? I can feel like a sad house. I think everyone can kind of sense that. You can you can tell when a house has been vacant for a really long time. There's something like a little eerie, something a little creepy. I don't yeah. know. It's It doesn't feel happy. And it starts to go downhill really quickly, actually. And suddenly the whole, you know, house is full of animals or spider webs or whatever. It's just taken over other stuff. Um, so collaboration, it's, it's with all of it, you know, yeah, and had, I had a feeling like there was a little bit more like collaborating with, with the space or mm-hmm. having it wash over you in the same way that someone's mm-hmm. opinion might. So I often say, uh, sometimes opportunity smells like cat pee. Um, <laughs> because, because it does. Yeah. Um, the, uh, well, we'll hear in the highs and the lows, um, or we heard we heard in the high and the low that that uh, I bought the lowest priced house in Madison last month. Wow! And it didn't smell that bad. Yeah, it but a it wasn't bit bad. But it wasn't cappy and it wasn't cigarette smoke. <laughs> it it had it smelled like opportunity. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that and seeing those those kind of surface level things i also though feel like once like those things can be gone in a flash 
Yeah. And then I have to, but I can also, you also have to like, I'm also a firm believer that, that a house that has been loved at any point in its existence can, can be, can be made well again. I saw on your Instagram recently some wood floors you refinished. And it reminded me of a house I, I actually I still own on Fair Oaks, 1918 built, I think. The floors were just like you couldn't barely tell they were wood. <laughs> um, and I forced against everyone's opinion and, and interest in doing the project to sand them down. And they were beautiful. And it, it was a little worse than your, your photos recently. My point is just I feel that under the surface, like yearning to be revealed again, you know, like someone built that house. I mean, some houses I think are a little bit carelessly built now and back in the day Mm -hmm. or, you know, or there was times with like military housing. It's just like pop up as many places as we can. And, you know, and you see differences in like how things were built. But I, I say I would say a fair amount of houses. Everyone had a good intention. Like, let's make a strong, good home that a family is going to be happy in. And I want to uncover that. And it doesn't always have to be these sort of like disasters types of places (laughs) that you and I, we, we get into those, but. Who do do you generally find coming to you or wanting to take advantage of your process or this, this mindset as you go into the design idea? Who, Who do you, who do you most often find yourself working with? As far as design goes, I would say, a lot of a lot of people who who just like feel like something's not quite right in their house and they're trying to figure out what it is and it's like it just doesn't feel good we're stressed out or you know we're not happy everything keeps going wrong and um we just want it to be brighter or happier or more colorful or whatever and um, and sometimes it's about function too. It's like this space is too tight. Let's open it up. Um, is this? I'm feeling like a little bit of like a social worker for the house. Like totally. Like have, have, is this, so you, you. I feel like I feel do therapy like sessions <laughs> with clients. Do like, you ever find yourself wandering a little bit? Like it's back to the. I, like this is something you can work out with your partner later when I'm not here. <laughs> can we talk more about yeah. the rug? Does that happen? Well, here's what's interesting. So I didn't actually mention this when you asked about my former jobs, but I started working in people's houses really young, like maybe 11 years old. Um, cleaning. I was a house cleaner. At 11? <laughs> yeah, for the neighbors, <laughs> for like some of the different neighbors. And um, Did you do good work at 11? Yeah, I, don't, I my, did. I'm, and I would like just, they'd leave $10 on the counter. I would vacuum everything, like wipe the counters Whatever. I got comfortable working in people's homes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I would say my cleaning business, I could tell, I mean, once I got older, I was like, I think I'm saving marriages. <laughs> like, you I, definitely I, are. I really felt that. <laughs> and it wasn't like all rich people, like you would, you'd be surprised. It was like, no, we just are prioritizing this money to have someone clean our house because like it makes our life better. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's some of that energy that goes into my design business now. Asher and I had talked a few weeks ago, maybe as we, as we thought about ideas about getting someone in here to talk about the, the importance of staging in a, in a market like, even in a market like ours, Mm -hmm. 
it can it can really add significant value to the product or a perceived because mm-hmm. it is just a perceived value. There is no value yeah. granted when you put smaller scale, colorful, trendy furniture in an empty house. It doesn't make the house worth a nickel more. But buyers cannot see beyond the staging. They love the staging when mm-hmm. it's nice. And yeah. and it and almost guaranteed they don't have that furniture. Yeah. And it will look nothing like that once they move in. <laughs> yes. But but I'm what I'm hearing from you both is that it's worth if you are selling, it's worth doing. Yeah. Tell what are your thoughts on that in general? Like have you I agree. But just me saying it, that's not what we're all here to hear. What? Uh... I mean, for a little while in the past eight years or whatever, I think there was times where you didn't need to stage. You could have a, an empty house and it would sell instantly. And now I think we're, and I kind of predicted this a little bit, kind of waiting and like storing pieces and things like that. There might come a time where we want to bring furniture in to places. Um if it becomes more of like a buyer's market. Um, Because I think partly it has to do with HGTV and how people are constantly seeing images of just the latest trend and it look, and they want that, you know, that's just kind of how humans are a lot of the time. (laughs) Um, And you can, you can stage a house with whatever style furniture and the house could be a completely different, House. Well, not only that, and I think this might be what Asher's comments were, they can so often, anything can distract the buyer's eye from a shortcoming or a a flaw Mm -hmm. or something that they really ought to be paying attention to. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? I mean, there are houses in very poor shape that have been staged so nicely Mm-hmm. And buyers, I mean, I we've probably seen it in the past few spring markets. They'll get ten to fifteen offers on them, yeah. and it really takes working with a professional, working with an experienced realtor, for someone to say to you, like, you need to look beyond all of this. <laughs> yeah, that's because yeah. I, I've never, I haven't had to for whatever reason, I haven't had to train myself to look past the furniture. Mm-hmm. I just never did. Yeah, I can walk through a house and. And be like in and out, and then someone says, "What did you think of that wedding photo of the family?" I'm like, what? I no idea. Didn't yeah. see it. Where yeah. I can tell you about the water heater and the electrical panel, and if you want me to get into a little <laughs> yeah. bit more detail about the furnace, let's go. Yeah. Well, and but, even like nice things, like you start to notice the trim, like things like that. That people, if you've got a really nice furniture set, someone might not notice that the trim is terrible in the house. Like mm-hmm. maybe it's just like the worst trim they threw up. Yeah. So what or we're it's saying, really beat up. Yeah. Or my pet peeve is when wood trim has paint on it from the wall. (laughs) 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 My grandpa gave me a wheat penny and I kept it in my pocket. Had big plans in my Last month we had a developer, a woman who developing a new subdivision or did develop a new subdivision on Madison's East Side. Um, So here we are today with a with a with a female flipper. How many how many houses do you are, have you sold have you done that enough that you feel like it's okay for, for me to use what, what might be a little bit of a pejorative term flipper would you call yourself what what would you tell us about that part of your history and or career you know I've never related to like that word because when I think of flipping 
I think of, okay, no offense at all. Go ahead. I just think of like a bunch of guys at Menards, like picking out whatever's in stock. Yeah, whatever's on sale. Putting in like whatever sheet linoleum happened to be the first one on the roll. And like you see that a lot and it makes me sad because I, it doesn't honor the house in my opinion. And so I, I flip houses, like I buy a house, I fix it up, I sell it. Yes, that's flipping. But I try to put more thought into it. My first flip on Horde Street, I mean, we drastically changed the function of that house. I try to fix the problems like, okay, this kitchen is a galley and it's like this and that and the other. I'm going to, I'm going to actually solve the problem. I had another one on staying too. Like you couldn't fit a refrigerator into the kitchen because the doorway was too small. Why? I bought that from someone who flipped it. How can you not address the fact that appliances can't get into the kitchen? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't do a quick fix. I really try to resolve the house into into something that can work for a lot of people for a really long time. I don't want to leave it with things that should have been done. I have only sold two homes of my own uh, work, uh, but I called I I gen- one of them I lived in, and I called that kind of like the slow flip. Like you move in, yep. and if you do, you've done that as well. Like you move mm-hmm. in and you start knocking off these things. These are problems. Um, a lot of times, homes that can be purchased for cheap. The ones that flippers uh, might buy, they're cheap because of those problems. Mm-hmm. Or exactly, or in a market when when there were when there was just too much inventory and people losing their home to foreclosure, it was those problems that made these homes the least. Yeah, the ones that they were these problems. It is solving those problems that helps you add more value than new flooring. Exactly. Or more value than paint and pretty appliances and staging. You are yep. sig- you are literally changing the product. You are taking mm-hmm. and and I don't remember which book it is. If you I haven't read a whole lot of real estate investment books. It could it could be rich dad. I, but you find a house with something wrong mm-hmm. and then you fix it. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's how you make money in real estate is you solve problems. Come a little bit closer. Yeah. You bought a couple of your projects from wholesalers. How did you? How did you first start? And uh, whole, wholesalers uh, are people who spend their time bird dogging deals and and getting them under contract, even. But then selling them right away, like they don't bother being the people to fix them up. And what I would say is, make the real money. But it's obviously <laughs> it's obviously something that people are willing to do, something that mm-hmm. some people focus exclusively on. I got into real estate because I really wanted to do a flip. That's actually why I really started. And once I had a little bit of money, and not and not to get off track, but it's like you ha- you got to find the house and the money, right? Because um, you have to buy these places cash. And I I just I found the money. It was like wow, just networking people I've known for 10 years and then to this person, that person, and the next met someone who saw a project I did for $50 in someone's basement. 
And I mean, it was like a very dramatic transformation. It's like, you did that for $50? Yeah. And so I had the money. I'm like, I just need to find the house. I started going to Madison Rhea. Um, but I only went twice or three times. Mad- maybe. Real Estate Investment Association. Yes, Madison Real Estate Investment Association. I never did their program. Um, I just went to their networking events a couple times. Met up with a wholesaler who um, was also kind of just getting started, but he had you know a lot of fire under his feet, and we ended up just developing a really good relationship. We had really similar values. Like I. Uh, that part of the flip process can be tricky and I don't want to be involved at all, but you know, there, there's people that don't know much about how their, how much value their home might have. And I don't like anyone being taken advantage of, I guess, long story short. And he had a really similar way of working. And so, yeah, he had a house. He's like, Hey, I have a house on Horde street. Everyone else was like, that's a horrible neighborhood. I was like, I, this is eight years ago. I want that house for 108000 Sounds like a good We one. walked in and I was like, you don't even have to barely do anything in here. I'm going to wow. keep all the cabinets. Like, you know, I'm just going to make it special. So it allowed you to be the flipper without the often associated adjective dirty. You got to be a flipper, but in a way that made you feel like every and and I'll use this to segue into our final topic which is the tax lien foreclosure. Yeah. And that I think is is really an opportunity to buy a house where you know the person who lost the home had every single opportunity and chance. Yes. to redeem that. Um, and and we'll be back in just a second. We'll talk with Greta Drama from Accord Realty and Geodesign about her most recent purchase, a tax lien foreclosure. You're listening to Real Estate in 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. Again, with us, Greta Drama, as well as Asher Bacino from the Lauer Realty Group. The tax lien foreclosure. Um, I bought one of those, and I still don't feel like I know everything there is to know about it. Do you have that same? And I and I bought it two years ago. It's our. Uh, you saw though. You mentioned the beautiful, or at least the the uh, beautiful story that those hardwood flooring pictures uh, mm-hmm. told. Those are in a home on Talmadge Street um, that was lost to uh, tax foreclosure, mm-hmm. and and we worked on for about two years. So yeah. tell us about the the place that you found and bought. Well, so I have a four-unit apartment building on Horde Street, and when a tax um, a tax foreclosure or whatever a treasurer's auction is going to happen, they mail the neighbors. Well, this is, happens to be right next to my building, and I've been watching it for years. In fact, my first flip that I've mentioned a couple of times is across the street. So I don't know that little <laughs> section is my my lucky strike, I guess. Um, and I just thought, hey. I should buy that place, you know, for a hundred, it was starting bid at 102 or 103, something like that. And I was like, and people aren't going to find out about this unless they are looking like in the public notice section of the newspaper. Yes. Are looking specifically at the assessors, uh, the county assessors records and Unless you're a neighbor. Or getting a postcard. You have to actually look. And in eight years of real estate, I had, I called you actually. I'm like, what is this? And what do I do? Because I thought it was a sheriff's auction. 
And then I realized, nope, it's not. It, it Yeah, it, it, it is and it isn't. It's different. It's the same in some ways, but yeah. significantly different in others. The difference being that the house is fully paid off. It wasn't that the bank wasn't getting paid. It's that this person was so delinquent in their property taxes, the house has been... Several years of unpaid property taxes. Yes. With zero effort, communication, or attempt. Well, interestingly, this woman did pay one penny a few times. <laughs> one penny? <laughs> which which is which, my understanding. You know. will kick the deadline. Like if they oh. do that, my understanding is that because some kind of payment was received, it yeah. will, it'll kick the deadline out yes. again, however many number of years. Interesting. How so. delinquent were the taxes? I believe about eight years when they when they did the whole bill um before I explain that no I don't need to pay all of the years I just need to pay 2022 it was like eighteen thousand dollars or something crazy um but yeah I did have to pay 2022 taxes and back to what you're saying where you don't know everything I don't quite know why or if like there would be a, a day that I didn't have to pay that I mean luckily it was like five grand or something so I kind of just, you know, put it in with the pile of buying this house so cheap. Yeah. yeah. Or buying the land. The really. taxes that are due at the time. Yes. You, the, 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 uh, the unpaid, unpaid or delinquent taxes are mm-hmm. paid with, by the sale, but the, the ones that are only just regular due mm-hmm. are paid, yeah. uh, are paid by the buyer. Uh, were there any other liens or judgments against the property? There were, but they, so this was something interesting. The, the liens had expired. The judgments hadn't. Again, this is all sort of new territory for me. So, um, you, and I got title work after the fact. You could get title work done if you want to spend the money just to be safe. It's probably worth doing. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of walked the line partially just because, I kept wobbling back and forth if I was going to do it. Finally, whatever, the day came. Did you get a title scoop or did you do any title investigation in advance of your bid? Mm, Back to the positive risk taking. I did not. (laughs) Were you the only bidder? I would not recommend doing that, by the way. So what happens with tax liens is that there was four houses that day and they get envelopes and you don't know which envelope goes with which house. So you actually don't know if you're the only bidder. Mm. And it's even kind of crazier than like normal real estate sales where you're just guessing sort of like, oh, I hope this offer is good enough. Um, you, they can tell you how many envelopes they have. But for all you know, they're all for the house you want or none of them are. Mm. It turns out later I found out, well, I walked in a half hour before the close, the closing time. And because I heard that morning they had none. I was like, okay, I'm going to bid on this place. But I took a few extra hundred dollars cash aside from my cashier's check because I was like, just in case I want to make something higher last minute. Because it's 10%. Was that? Yes, you so pay you have, 10% you're gonna, down. With your bid, a sealed, silent, and mine was during COVID, so there was no room. There was just like literally get it, to, get it there. Mail it, yeah. Uh, get your envelope with your bid amount and 10% certified funds. Yeah. For them or to cash. for them to sit yes. on, yeah. So I, a guy was walking out right when I was walking in. I'm like, oh crap, you know, he's probably bidding on that house. I had a maximum number in my head, and I did it. 
turns out I didn't need to. He bit at a different house, <laughs> but still like I knew I did my best. Right. I think with all real estate sales, you want to feel like you didn't do, do anything crazy, but you also don't want to regret, mm-hmm. you know, not I th- giving it I your think all. We, all right. We have covered a lot of information and we've wandered from design to sales to staging, even to tax flipping and tax lien foreclosures. So thank you to our listeners for being able to keep up with us. Um, for your design business, I wanted to make sure people would be able to see examples of the geometric tile. Uh, where's a good place <laughs> for them to, if they wanted to reach out to learn more about your uh, collaborative process, both with person but also space, where would they be able to find you? Well, geodesignmadison.com is an easy place to start or on Instagram, geodemadisondesign. Ooh, we could just like follow and add you to our Pinterest board. Yes. We, we could can do a joint photo today. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, thank it. you very much, Greta. <laughs> we're going to uh, we're going to have a quick uh, look at from Phil and do Phil's phone in uh, and then wrap things up. But thank you again for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much. And, it's been a pleasure. And coming in to talk about what really has been a, a wide variety of topics. It's time for Phil's phone in. Phil Plort is my business partner in Deacon Housing president of Madison's Blimling and Associates, a dairy commodities consulting firm, a division of dairy.com, and host of the brand new podcast, The Dairy Download. Keeping an eye on the faraway and diverse markets is what he does. Seeing how it might affect real estate here in Madison is what he does for fun. Here he is with a look beyond the 608. Hey Ben, it's Phil with a view from beyond the 608. Economists aren't really great at forecasting. In fact, there's an old joke that goes something like this. Economists have successfully predicted nine of the last five recessions. It seems as though some economists are rethinking the current situation. Last week, a story in the Wall Street Journal noted that 54% of economists believe that we'll see a recession in the next 12 months. That's down from 61% in the previous two surveys and a high of 63% in October. If the U.S. avoids a debilitating recession, three factors will likely stand out as reasons we didn't land in the ditch. First, different data points continue to show that there's still COVID money in bank accounts. Some consumers still have plenty of cash, which translates to spending power. A recent report from J.P. Morgan showed that, in the first quarter, median bank account balances for consumers in every income quartile were higher than they were before COVID. Second, as I've noted before, energy prices remain tame. Last week, unleaded gasoline averaged $3.56 per gallon in the U.S., down 93 cents, or 20% from year-prior levels. Less money spent at the pump frees funds for use elsewhere. Third, labor markets remain strong, with initial jobless claims remaining below levels, suggesting payroll contraction. I don't know that we're out of the woods. Lower-income households in the U.S. continue to struggle to stretch their dollars. China's economy doesn't seem healthy. From a food price perspective, the Russia-Ukraine situation took a turn for the worst last week, and the Fed will continue to raise interest rates with at least another quarter-point bump widely anticipated. Overall, however, things have not yet veered from so-so and vulnerable to terrible, and consumer sentiment reflects some optimism. That's good news for real estate markets and the overall economy. That's all for now. Until the next time, this is Phil with a view from Beyond the 608. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. Ben, I've got one question for you. What was that? That was a lot of information. Uh, kind of, it, it all segued, I think, 
kind of smoothly because it was all very much real estate. Even the sections, uh, we learned that Greta had worked in the social services or kind of a nonprofit social service and and mm-hmm. and saw that her, her desire to design homes or create spaces that solve problems may have come even from some early work as a, a 11-year-old home cleaner. So <laughs> it all sounds very above board, and I'm she did, she, she did it willingly. Uh, but maybe early, early, very earlier in her life, learned that a clean space or a well-designed space, a space that can be most easily utilized, um, can mean happiness in that space. Um, and there's a lot of people that spend a lot of time on Instagram looking at you know cleaning videos and how to make things. You know, it's kind of in the same way like a Maria a Marie Kondo. Sure. Does yeah. this bring you joy? Um, uh, Greta's collaborative design process is not just a collaboration with the homeowner or the people that will use the space, but kind of this like somewhat spiritual sense about the space and the home itself. Um, yeah. And then also uh, talking a little bit about the the staging and the and the, the importance that staging and and can have can have in selling and accentuating the positive and helping people see what the space can be versus what it is. Talk about creating space that you, my friend, are creating some space in your personal life too. Yeah, we'll we'll see how that plays out because creating because creating spaces. <laughs> so we mentioned buying buying a little house. We teased last month that uh, the Instagram consultant and I were going to buy a property. Could likely be uh, for aging in place for her parents. It's adjacent her childhood home, uh, but mm-hmm. but I always tell people that. Uh, unmarried people that when they buy a house together, they're kind of married now. I have made people significant, really uncomfortable when like they're not married yet and they probably haven't been thinking about it like that solid. But, the, but I, I will say in our little buyer first time meeting, you guys are kind of going to be married now. And so fo- following my own advice, I did decide to, uh, to, to, to ask for her hand. So, uh, so thank you for your kind words and, and, uh, I don't know. That it's not really like going to be more on that. But no. That, yeah. <laughs> I, I imagine there's a couple of things that will still happen in the future. More, more we don't on have to that, cover them right now. More <laughs> on that later. But as I said, I hope that I hope that uh, uh, that we can uh, showcase the the tiny house uh, and the projects there. Uh, so that people can enjoy that anyway on Instagram. So, and uh, thanks you to you, and thanks to uh, to Greta Drama Accord Realty, uh, and all the other things that she does, as well as uh, to all of our listeners. Yeah, we appreciate you being here for Real Estate Mystics. So, thanks to the musicians and bands you've been hearing: Renclaw, El Donk, Oak Street Ramblers. Uh, our dearly departed Bob Westfall, Seesaw, the Mad City Jug Band. Right, and uh, thanks. I, I think it's more of a congratulations to you, but congrats. Well, and, and hey, you're keeping your head above water in California. Uh, you you might as well be married too, Adam. <laughs> That's now you've done it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you, sir, and thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening to Real Estate in the Six Hundred Eight, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. Real Estate in the Six Hundred Eight is a podcast for homeowners, home buyers, landlords, tenants, people who just want to be better at living in a home. If you can't get enough real estate in the 608 between episodes, like us on Facebook at In the 608 or visit inthe608.com for archived episodes and show notes. Remember, until you tell us, we don't know. 
We appreciate your listening, as well as your ratings and reviews at your favorite podcast portal. We also welcome feedback and topic suggestions via email to ben at benanton.com. Come on, baby, won't you hold me tighter than your fist curled up in a schoolyard fight? I'll be a backup when you're calling my name. Come on, baby, won't you keep me safer than that high score on that pinball game? You're always playing at your favorite arcade. And we could be taking names. And we could be Come on, baby, won't you buy me flowers with that money spent on whiskey sours that you're buying at those wasted hours? And come on, baby, won't you talk me sweet? Instead, I'm staring at this empty seat because you got someone else you'd rather me. And we could be. So